Good morning. Good morning. So good to see uh, so many of you in the house today. It's so good to know that there's so many of you worshiping with us online and will be worshiping with us uh, through the power of video even next week. We're so glad that you're with us. If you're in the room, this room that I'm in right now, would you put your hands together and welcome everybody? Everybody else that's a part of our church, we love you. We're in the middle of a series. Uh, I'm Pastor Adam. I'm one of the pastors here. We're in the middle of a series right now called Shameless Audacity. It's a series on prayer. Uh, and this is, I th- man, I got to look at the schedule before I come up here. I think this is the last one. We do something else next week. Um, but today I'm going to be talking about shameless um, warfare, how we can fight in our prayer. If you don't pray often and you're like, uh, praying, I can't, okay. I'm going to give you three tips. I got these from Craig Groeschel. He's a cool pastor. Um, cooler than me, I guess. That's why, you know. It's relative, I guess. Um, yeah, cool. Um, Craig Rochelle is a, is a pastor in Oklahoma, and he, he gave these three tips of how to start praying, and I want to share them with you. Um, this isn't my message. This is just a freebie. Here's the three quick tips. Number one, keep it simple. Praying is just talking to God. If you haven't prayed, you're like, well, I don't, well, I, look, the these, I don't really get, dig that. I don't dig it either. I don't remember the last time I, I threw a the into my prayer. Um, unless it was like, the thing that I'm praying for. So keep it simple. You're just talking to God. Number two, keep it short. Keep it short. And you say, Pastor Adam, you don't want me to pray long? No, 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 you could pray long, but if I told you to pray long, then you wouldn't start. So just keep it short. You can pray as long as you want, um, but if you have in your mind, just keep it short. Okay, that's cool. Start. And number three, uh, if you miss today, don't miss tomorrow. How many know you can get out of the habit really easy? So if you miss today, don't miss tomorrow. Because if you miss tomorrow, the day after that, it's going to be a whole lot easier to, to not spend your time with God. So, if you, so keep it simple, keep it short, and if you miss today, don't miss tomorrow. Have you ever been going through the day, like just kind of normal stuff, like you're driving or you're scrolling or whatever, you're just doing normal stuff, and then somebody says something that may or may not be actually normal, but it sets you off, and you're like, wow. <laughs> How's that again? Someone says, <laughs> you know, or you're scrolling on Facebook and then like, like you realize that you're friends with an idiot. <laughs> yeah. you're like, oh man, or like, I'm related to him. Maybe. But it's not just like a thing. It's like, it like ruins your day. And your, your day just goes in a, in a downhill spiral, and it's like, and it's the thing. What is that? What is that? I think, I argue, it's spiritual. Yes. I don't know how spiritual you think it is, but I think this is a fair statement for all of us. It's more spiritual than you think it is. Right. However spiritual you think it is, it's more spiritual than that. Something bigger going on. It's not just about the Facebook post the wisecrack comment, the offensive thing that someone said that probably shouldn't have been offensive but really was anyway. It's not about that thing. Something bigger is going on. And as long as you're a Christian on planet Earth, you are in a spiritual fight. Well, Pastor Adam, I thought it was supposed to be nice and pretty. I thought Christians were supposed to be nice. We'll get to that in just a second. You are in, if you're a Christian living on planet Earth, you are in a spiritual fight. Know it or not, 
you know it now. But the good news is we have the tools we need to fight. That's right. Ephesians 6.12 tells us what the deal is here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So if the, like the, what's in this room is flesh and blood. So my struggle is not with any of you, according to this passage. My struggle is not, not against the friends of my Facebook. That's not my struggle. My struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. Where? In the heavenly realms. Satan knows. It's, it's Satan's goal, I think, to just get our eyes off of him to get our eyes off of Jesus. Satan knows if he can just get our attention and our eyes focused on somebody, then he's cool. We're no threat. We're no threat. Our power in the spiritual world is, uh, what do you call it? When like, you, give, you abdicate. We, we're abdicating our spiritual power when we put our eyes on somebody. That person's my problem. This thing is my problem. This, this dumb opinion that's different than my opinion that's right. <laughs> that's my enemy. That's what I'm going to be about. If we have that attitude, Satan just sits back and goes, hee, 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 hee. He just sit back and giggle. He's winning. He's winning. Satan knows. It's Satan's goal that if he can get us to believe that somebody is our enemy, then our eyes are off him, off of the spiritual things. You can amen me. You can nod your head. But remember it at the next election cycle, because on the last one, a lot of us forgot that. It's Satan's goal that if he can get us to believe that somebody is our enemy, this thing, that person, is my enemy, then our eyes are off of him. We're not swinging at him, and our eyes are off of Jesus. Our eyes are on somebody. But my struggle is not against flesh and blood. Satan is the prince of this world. He has some authority, and he uses all of the media systems, I believe. I'm not saying like every media system is of the devil, but I think he uses everyone he can get his fingers in to keep our eyes off of him, to keep our eyes off off of him, off of Jesus. And we let him. We let him. We get sucked right into it. No matter how big of a thing you're dealing with is, here's a fact, Jesus is victorious. No matter how big of a thing you're going through, Jesus is victorious. And we have spiritual power. We have the tools we need to fight. Spiritually, something like this happened recently in our church. There were some shamelessly audacious prayers lifted up to, to God, and I'm not going to ruin the story. I'm going to let you watch it right now. My name is Becky, and my husband is Mike, and our son is Josiah. While he was swimming, he, um, he started having trouble breathing, and... Um, trouble moving his, his arms, his body, and his, uh, his lips went numb. And um, he had to, they got him out of the pool and his pupils were dilating and his pulse was very thready and he 
was nauseous. Um, so um, when they got him to the hospital, his blood pressure was high and his heart rate was very high um, and still having a lot of trouble. But my husband and I both got lots of people praying. He was texting people and I was texting friends and, and I texted Pastor Adam and asked him to send out an emergency prayer request to our prayer team here at New Hope. Um, so we had lots of people praying and God intervened and um, just stopped this reaction to this medication immediately. And um, the doctor didn't understand what had happened and told us that this reaction that he had should have lasted a long time and taken lots of medication to help him get over this. Um, but it resolved in like an hour, hour and a half. And um, I'm not a medical professional, but the way I understand this, um, he should have spent days up to maybe a couple weeks in the hospital with this. Um, but he's out with, he. we went home that night. And we are just amazed and in awe of the healing, the miracle that God did in our son. And here, four days, five days later, he's in the pool again, training for another meet that he has coming up in a couple weeks. And we are just so thankful for what God did and all of the prayers that the people of New Hope did and, and prayed for our son immediately. I was really excited to say at the end of that video, and if you don't, if you want to know more, he's sitting right over there, but you can't because right now he's at state competition swimming. That was two weeks ago. And he, t he did the very event that he, uh, he had the reaction on. He did that very event on Friday night, and he texted me and said, and said, I was praising God the whole way through. I said, awesome. That's so cool. Why? Why? Doctors don't know. There's not a medical explanation for that. But I got one. There are some shamelessly audacious prayers. No matter what you're going through, there's nothing that our God can't do. Jesus is victorious. And you can get through it. But here, here, check it out. You got to fight. You got to fight. But Pastor Adam, I'm back to that one. I'm, I know one of you, I heard your comment. It sounded like, Pastor Adam, I thought we were supposed to be nice. I heard that. It was from my own mouth, but I heard it. Okay, there we go. I thought we were supposed to be nice. Yeah, okay. Yeah, kind of. Psalm 144, what is it, 144? Psalm 144, 1. Praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. I used this yesterday when I spoke to a, we had a youth conference and I spoke at that and I, I jumped off of this one. Praise be to the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. Does that sound nice? Is that, like, like, yeah, live at peace with one another, but not with the devil. You don't want to live at peace with him. You want to grab him by the throat. That doesn't sound nice. Exactly! God trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. I thought Christianity was about being nice. Well, it's not about being a jerk, but we have an enemy. 
We are not nice to our enemy. Who's our enemy? Not flesh and blood. The spiritual forces of darkness. We are in war. So I have today, I have three thoughts on the fight. If you uh, want to follow along on my new hope that I in, go to the sermon notes. You can follow along there. All the scriptures are there ready for you. Uh, or you can write them down. Here's number one. Three thoughts on the fight. Number one, we fight best through prayer. We fight best through prayer. This comes from James chapter 5, verse 16. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. We fight best through prayer. Prayer is not about asking God for, for what we want. It's about coming into agreement for what he wants. Jesus prayed that, you know, nevertheless, thy will be done. And Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come. So, so prayer isn't, you know, God, I want a Lamborghini. It's your will be done. It's, it's praying for the things that are God's will. So what's God's will? There's a lot of things that are God's will. And the more you get to know God, the more you read the Bible, the more you'll know those things. But what does God want? What does God want for us to pray? Here's 1 Timothy chapter 2. Let's look at this. Let's see what God wants. I urge then, first of all, that all petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made. So he wants us to, to pray. For who? For all people. For kings and those in authority, that we may live peacefully and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants, what's God want? All people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. What's God want? People. God wants people. If you want to know you're praying God's will, pray for the people that matter. Pray for the souls that matter. Prayer is fighting for those who can't fight for themselves. See, just, this is the message of the gospel. Prayer is aligning like praying things that align under what God wants. So the message of the gospel is that Jesus loved people so much he died for them. So when we pray for their salvation, we're aligning our prayers with the gospel. We're aligning our prayers with the actual message of the cross. Yet so much of what we pray for is self-centered and self-focused. Is it okay to pray for that stuff? Yeah. The Bible says pray about everything. And everything, Pray. Always keep God included in your life. So, yeah, yeah, pray for it all. You know, like my, my son, there was a book fair at my son's school this week, and he was really excited about this book he got. It was a, a, a Sonic, 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 Sonic the Hedgehog, little blue guy. It was a Sonic the Hedgehog uh, comic book. And he was reading it, and he's like, Dad, Dad. So, so the son is having a conversation with his father about something the father was like, not all that interested in, right? It's all, like, I love, I love my son. And so he's like, Dad, you know, look, there's, there's metal Sonic, and then there's the yellow Sonic, and then he like, look, he turns blue. And I'm like, cool. I don't really care about Sonic. I care about what he cares about. But when my son looks at me and says, starts talking about his feelings or his emotions, I perk up. It's totally different. He's talking about the thing I care about. Him. So you can ask God to give you that short line at the drive-thru. God, can you just make all, turn all the lights green? Like, yeah, go for it. But when you start praying for the things God cares about, the souls of lost people, 
I think it's a different experience for him. I think he perks right up. It's what he cares about. When you pray for your family to know Jesus, we're putting Satan on notice. When you pray for the teenagers in our church to grow deeper in Christ, when you pray for the children in our church to experience God on Sundays, when you pray for more laborers in the harvest, these are the things that God wants to do. These are the things that, that we know God cares about. Laborers going into the harvest. He told us to pray for more laborers. When you pray for this place to keep filling up and we have to keep adding chairs, why? Because of number? No, because the number represents a person. When you pray for the future South Auburn location to be a lighthouse in our community. When you pray for our missionaries to be effective, you're putting Satan on notice. Meet me, at the, meet me outside after school, Satan. Satan feels the heat, and he'll turn up the attack on us because that's what matters to God. That's what matters in the kingdom of God. My, uh, I have two, I was, I'm the youngest of three in the house I grew up in. My sister, a lot of you don't know her, she's moved out of state for quite some time, but my sister would pick on me. I was the little one, and she would pick on me, and I remember one time I was on the couch, and she was on top of me just picking on me, and I, my mom was like doing like 10 things. She was like cooking brownies, cooking the tuna noodle casserole, talking on the phone all at the same time, doing all this stuff, and I'm getting picked on. I remember screaming. I'm like, ah, stop it, Jenny, stop it, stop it, stop it. And I said, Bobby, make Jenny stop. And my mom added one more thing to her list of things that she was doing. And she turned around and she yelled at my sister. And she said, Jenny, touch not. <laughs> and we both stopped fighting just like that. And we were like, and we just started laughing. We were like, Mom, you're reading too much of your King James, I think. <laughs> touch not. That's a funny thing. But how many know sometimes when we're praying, we need to go King James on the devil? Lord, I pray for my cousin to come under alignment with you. I pray for my cousin to experience you. And Satan, touch not. Prayer doesn't have to be just talking with God. When I pray, I tell the devil what to do. Because I have that authority. So do you. My kids understand spiritual warfare better than a lot of adults. You know, so, if you're a parent of younger kids, you understand the, the pain of waking up five times in the middle of the night with a kid climbing into bed with you. I was tired of it. And so I taught them how to fight spiritual battles. You wake up in the middle of the night with a nightmare, this is what you do. Don't come to me. See, it's killed two birds with one stone. I'm smart. <laughs> Don't come to me. You say, Satan, shove it. I can tell Satan to shove it. You can't. You tell him. And I hear him say from time to time, whenever my kids are scared, they say, Satan, get lost. Yes. That's what you do. That's the tools they need for the rest of their lives. Adults, do you know how to do that? Satan, shove it. I'm not going to listen to that lie. I don't, I don't have to listen to the lie. It's a lie. I reject that lie and I replace it with the truth of who God may be to be. Here's number two. We fight best when we are planted. We fight best when we're planted. Yes. Psalm 92, verses 12 through 15 says, The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will glow like the cedar of Lebanon. Planted in the house of the Lord, planted in the church, 
They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. And they will stay green, I'm sorry, fresh and green like Subway. Proclaiming, I added that, verse 15, proclaiming the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no wickedness in him. See, God knew that the spiritual battle that Christians would face would be so great, we couldn't handle it on our own. And so God gave us the church. I was amazed, like when I read like the whole Bible straight through, especially the New Testament, Christianity is very little about me and God. And it's a lot about us and God. Have you noticed that in the Bible? There's, uh, I think it's been a, 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 an American invention to make Christianity all... Like, is there a personal decision that's necessary for your faith? Yes. Yes. But it's not just a personal decision. Like, like you have to make a personal decision for your faith, but you're not supposed to go through your life alone as a Christian. That's not how it works. Read the book of Acts. There's, there's us and God. A lot of Christianity is, is less about me and God and more about us and God. We get to do something... Together. I heard it said that the banana that leaves the bunch gets peeled first. I think it's true. <laughs> you never have to be alone. When you're going through spiritual attack, you're not alone. If you're in a group, start there. Get on the Church Center app, start chatting uh, in the little chat thing, the messaging feature. Uh, after service, we have prayer partners here every week. If you're worshiping online, uh, live with us, there's a button in the corner where you can request prayer right now. There's like people ready to not let you be abandoned and be by yourself. You can join with others in prayer. If you're watching on demand later, shoot us an email at hello at newhope.in. We're ready to, to engage with you and take your prayer request to the throne of God. You see, in the house, we fight best when we're planted. In the house, there's protection, there's nutrition. There's strength in relationships. There's purpose. And when you're a part of the house, when you're planted, when you're planted, all the prayers that this church prays for this church apply to you. It's like being underneath an umbrella. So when our church prays, we're praying for our church. If you're in it, you're, you're in that prayer. You step out from underneath that umbrella, you'll get wet. Is this making sense? All right, so it's important to be planted. We fight best when we're planted. So here's a sermon within a sermon, like sermonception. What does being planted look like? So, so I have three thoughts on the fight. Under point two, there's another one, two, three. I could have called it ABC, but I'm not that cool. So just, there's a one, two, three, and under the two, there's a one, two, three. Here we go. What does being planted look like? Number one, planted in the house looks like being in the house. Planted in the house looks like being in the house. Hebrews 10, verses 24 through 25 say, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, there's something special that happens when the saints of God get together. Matthew 18 says, for Jesus said it. He says, wherever two or three are gathered as my followers, there I am among them. If you would just turn your head to the left and look at the person on your left and say, you're my, or, so look at yourself and say one, one, 
You didn't do it. Look at yourself and say one. One. Look at the person on your left and say two. Look at the person on your right and say, you're my three. There we go. We got Jesus. One, two, three. Jesus. Where two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. There's something supernatural that happens when we get together. I want to talk specifically to the online family for just a minute. I was asked um, just a few weeks ago, because the numbers in this room keep going up, and I was asked just a few weeks ago, and and someone asked me, what are you doing to get all the people worshiping online back in the house? What did you do to get that to happen? There was another pastor asking me that, and I said, we didn't. Like, I, I didn't try to get them back in the house. I just tried to minister to them wherever they were first. That's what matters. And apparently a lot of them decided to come on into the house. You may not realize it, but our online numbers are not changing. If anything, they're growing because people are coming from online into the room. And the the stats of online church are still going up, so we're solid. Love you. You're part of our church. You're part of our church. I really do believe that. There's a lot of reasons to worship online. I love them. So many reasons to worship online. Think about yours. Think about your reason for just a moment. What's your reason for worshiping online? If it's what was going on with the Hebrews, they see they were not giving up meeting together as some were in the habit of doing. They got out of the habit. If your reason is... We just got out of the habit. Can I encourage you? Like the, uh, the author of Hebrews encouraged the Hebrews, don't get out of the habit. Someone needs you. You're somebody's two or three. Yes. Yes. You're somebody's two or three. Come on in. There's, there's spots for you. We would love to have you uh, join us in person. And if you, if you have a different reason for worshiping online, don't be an innocent bystander. Be engaged. You can be someone's two or three. Our chat is engaging there. You can still volunteer. Just hit the little blue button and say, I want to help with online church. How do I do that? And our team can guide you in that. But you got to be somebody's two or three. You got to be somebody's two or three. We've tried very hard to stop saying the words watching online because I don't believe that's what you're doing. I, I hope it's not what you're doing. I hope you're worshiping online. Let me speak now for the people in the room. Did you know it's a a national statistic now? The frequency of church attendance is one out of six weeks. That's that's pathetic, man. Like, that that is of of people who say they go to church. Of the people that say, oh, I'm committed followers of Jesus, they're, they're regular. One out of six weeks, I suppose, is regular. Uh, If church isn't on your calendar, I just suggest humbly that you... uh, Consider your priorities. What else are you putting on your calendar? But not church? We make time for the things that are a priority to us. When you step out from underneath the umbrella, you're going to get wet. Here's number two. Planted in the house looks like being in relationship with others. We're launching groups this week. It is not too late. There's a couple groups that are starting today, others that are starting this week, some that are going to start in a few weeks. They all have different schedules. 
it is not too late today for you to join it. If you're not in a group, you're in the minority. I don't want you to miss out. There's more people in our church that are in a group than are not. It's time. It's time. Don't leave today. If you're not in a group of some kind, not in a team of some kind, not volunteering anywhere, it's time. Don't leave today. There's a table in the foyer where somebody can help you take a step uh, in being more involved with relationships. Because being planted in the house looks like being in a relationship with others. And here's number three. Planted in the house looks like being about what the father of the house is about. That's a Did that even fit on the screen? That's a lot of words. Planted in the house looks like being about what the father of the house is about. God is about his mission. God is about lost people being found, found people being free from bondage, free from their burdens, free from their past, and free people being empowered to do whatever it is God's called them to do. That's what God's about. We don't just go to church. We're on a mission. We get to do something for the kingdom. We're on a mission. God is about expanding the kingdom, and he is saw fit to entrust us with more. I don't know why, but it's God's business, I suppose. God saw fit to entrust us with more. We are receiving a South Auburn location on, well, the south side of Auburn. And we're going to start ministry in two places. Every Sunday, we're going to have church in two places in a few months. What an exciting journey. Why? To be cool? No. To reach more people, to help lost people be found, found people be free, and free people empowered to do whatever it is God's called them to do. Being planted in the house looks like being about what the father of the house is about. And God is expanding that opportunity, and I'm so excited for it. With that great opportunity comes a whole lot of work. And I'm excited we have some help to do it. I'd like to introduce you today. Pastor Frank, would you stand up real quick? This is Pastor Frank Tallarico. He just came on on our staff. Oh, yeah, you can see his family there. What a great family. Uh, Pastor Frank is our South Auburn location director. He's, gonna, he's here to help us get that campus launched because we want to help lost people be found, found people be free, and free people empowered. And God's given us another spot to do it, and I, I'm so glad and thankful for you coming alongside us and helping us um, pursue that vision, pursue that dream. So thank you. If you ha- don't know Pastor Frank, make sure you go over and talk with him after service. Give him a high five. Uh, meet his family and say, hey, you can say it like that. Then he'll know you were paying attention if you say it like that. Anybody that doesn't say, hey, just be like, they weren't paying attention. You'll know. That's, that's how you'll know. Here's the third thought about the fight. Number three, thought about the fight. We fight best when we decide it's worth fighting for. We fight best when we decide that it's worth fighting for. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites or whose land you're living in now. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. In other words, 
you don't get to not fight. You're in it. You're, you're a Christian living on planet Earth. You're in a fight. So who are you going to fight for? You don't get out of it. You're in it. Choose this day who you're going to fight for. Are you going to fight for the rights, for the right fights? I think we need offensive faith. Like fight, fighting faith. Not like offensive. Offense is. Is there a difference? We need, we need attacking faith. Attack. How do I say that? Attackful faith? Sorry, I'm just doing my little, this will be better next service. We need faith that goes on the offensive. Ha <laughs> ha, that's how I say it. Because I don't want your faith to be offensive. Except to the devil. We need faith that goes on the offensive. When we see the devil working, mm-mm, not in my town. Mm-mm. Touch not, Satan. Touch not. Go King James on him. I think it really hates that. It's time to fight for a better marriage. It's time to fight for our kids. It's time to fight for our finances to become into alignment with God's plan. It's time to fight for our friends. Fight for our boss. Fight for our classmates. Fight for our coworkers. These are the people Jesus loves. Let's decide now that people are worth fighting for. Your life is worth fighting for. But listen, the enemy wants to destroy your power. He wants to destroy your power. But he can't if you fight. A uh, long time ago, I was, uh, this is like 20 years ago, I was leading a ministry here. I wasn't on staff. Um, I was a college-age kid. And I was leading a ministry, and I was here really, really late with a friend. It was like 11 o'clock, we were in the parking lot talking. And a police officer thought that looked suspicious. And so a police officer came in, and I'm like, oh my goodness. Oh no, I can just imagine. Like, Pastor Deal's son arrested. I'm like, but whatever, I didn't do anything wrong. I was innocent, so I wasn't too concerned. And he pulled up and got out of the car kind of quick and said, hello, what are you doing here? I was like, we're just talking. We were with the church, and we're just talking. We're about to get in our cars and leave here pretty soon. And he said, well, can I see your IDs? I said, yes, sir. And I pulled out my ID. As I handed it to him, he said, what's your name? And I said, Adam Deal. He didn't even look at my ID. He didn't even look at it. He took the ID and he said, Deal? And I said, yes, sir, Adam Deal. He goes, Deal? Yes. Have a nice night, sir. Got in his car and left. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> that meant something. In the town of Waterloo, Deal meant something. Or at least in this parking lot, deal meant something. I didn't earn that. I hadn't done anything then. Certainly, I hadn't earned it then. I didn't, like, do much. I was 20. I received my name from somebody who did a lot. So my last name I received. I didn't work for it. It was just mine. And that gave me a degree of authority. All I had to do was say my name, and the officer was no longer suspicious. Have a nice night. Got my license back and we finished talking and I went home. If you're a child of God, you take on his name. Yes. Right. My name's not Adam Deal. My name's Adam Deal, comma, child of God. Yes. So when I go praying, I'm praying with the authority of my last name, not Deal. Come on. See, child of God. 
God's name. He gave me a new identity, a new name. So in the spiritual world, I can fight. God has given us this authority. He's given us a new name that comes with authority. And we can carry that authority and use that authority to fight the spiritual battles around us. Let's close our eyes and pray. Lord, you know our hearts. I pray if anyone has not made the decision to uh, follow you with everything they have, I pray they would make that decision today and come tell somebody that they want to. Lord, I pray that uh, wherever our battles are, today we would increasingly look to you. Because you are victorious and you've given authority into our hands. Lord, I pray that we become a people that know how to wield it yes. and use it for your kingdom. Yes. In Jesus' name.